What's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? It is Jay Branch, also known as JB, here with another Pass the Mic. I am here in our Glow headquarters. We're here in our Glow headquarters with our family. It's my new family, starting with today, okay? They're going to get past the mic, and they're about to shake this little thing on up, and I don't want to hold anything back. Um, I want to talk about some of the people that are a part of starting with today. I have Charlene Anderson, um, who is the founder and executive director of Starting With Today, Inc., a 501c3 charitable nonprofit organization, which mission is to create, sustain, and enhance professional, mental, and financial wellness by providing customized training and resources to underserviced adults. I mean, come on, we're going to give her a round of applause already from the beginning. Yes, we got in-house people. Come on. All right, Ms. Anderson found, found it starting with today, INC, after seeing how little of our current industry trends and information was making their way low to income communities. Her desire is to bridge gaps along with the management and outreach skills honed in in the local government, corporate, and nonprofit fields gave her a well-rounded platform upon which to step into her passion. All right. We're going to bring her on in just a second. But also, we have Mr. Lawrence V. Crosby, Esquire. I like Cosby. He's real quiet, but I feel like he has he's only quiet because he got a lot to say up inside. Mr. Crosby, Esquire, is an intellectual property attorney, creative economic advocate, and semi-retired MC. Mr. Cosby has worked in intellectual property law in various settings, including practicing for the U.S. Patent and Trademarking Offices, advising creative and copyright and trademark matters, and assisting in development of independent music artists. Come on, let's give Mr. Crosby a round of applause also. All right, and then this man right here tonight is going to be... is going to be your host for this evening. We have Mr. Jay Hall. Jay Hall is a writer, editor on multiple multiple media personality who has over 10 years of experience in all things music sports politics and culture a detroit native jay hall is an alum of howard university in washington dc where he majored in broadcast journalism jay hall is currently on staff cultural writing curator for American Urban Radio Networks and podcast hosts for Starting With Today, a nonprofit organization focused on mental health awareness and uplifting the community. So today, we are passing the mic to Starting With Today. I'm going to go ahead and start bringing on Charlene. How you doing today? Go ahead and unmute yourself. I can unmute you. Say hi to the people. Hey everyone, thank you so much for having me, JB, and I love your enthusiasm. You can introduce me any day. I got put me on staff. I got you. I got you. I got you. <laughs> right, Mr. Crosby Esquire, how you doing today? I may drop the R. It's Cosby. I know the name ain't really hitting right now, but you know it's Cosby. <laughs> All right, and then we're going to bring on your hosts for today. We got Mr. J Hall. How you doing, J Hall? I'm good. Happy Tuesday, JB, and thank you for the intro, man. I was way more enthusiastic than I could do for myself. Oh, Y'all should have known what it was going to be. <laughs> big energy. Big, big energy. Like, I, need, I, need, I need that audio so I can just carry it with me everywhere I go. You already got it. Just drop it on. 
people already like inside it and already hitting us up with things. Um, but let's not forget that we have a panelist today. So on your panel, we have the new community outreach specialist with Glow, Mr. Tony. Say what's up to the people, Tony, out there. Hey, people. <laughs> All right, we have MSW, Masters in Social Work, Community Advocate, Caseworker, on out here, we got Mr. Bryce Williams. Hi, everyone. <laughs> and we have my sister. Y'all should already know who she is if you are following Glow. She is the diva with the attitude. And she <laughs> is that book writer. We have author Zora Thomas coming in here. Give her a round of applause, everybody. All right. With that said... I'm Jay Branch. I'm going to catch y'all in the back. I hope that you guys all enjoyed today's event. And I pass the mic to you. Hi. Hello, everybody. How's everybody feeling? Good. 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 So I just want to say off the top, not only have I come to host, but I also come to learn. Because there's a lot that I don't know. And I hope I represent a community of people who don't know that I put my ear and my mouth laughed. I just want to point that out there. So, thank you very much for everybody for attending. Um, you know, this whole thing was about allowing space for grace. So one of the first questions slash statements we want to toss out is, for people who ask questions that are too uncomfortable to ask, what is the best approach, strategy, conversation, words that you would suggest that they go by? And I would like to start with Zora, please. <clears throat> I taught a class this morning on diversity and inclusion, and I said everything starts with a conversation. So when you decide that you want to get intellect and knowledge and experience on someone else's story, you literally have to start with a conversation with self. Everything starts with a talk with self. So you have to prep yourself. You have to get out of your own head sometimes, right? You have to talk with, with, with what you think you know. Talk with what you already know to get to what you need to know. Dagger. <laughs> Dagger. <laughs> I appreciate that. Let's move. Let's get to the next statement. Right now, they just showing my face. So I'm going to go off the top of my ear and I'm going to say, who else is there? Oh, my fault. They took everybody's name. So I'm going to say Tony, because I got a nephew named Tony. So you were the first one I can remember. <laughs> Tony, what do you think of? They got you muted, Tony. Oh, I'm, am I muted? Oh, okay, now I'm on <laughs> Um, For me growing up, um, being approached about my sexuality was very uncomfortable. Um, people would always, you know, they wouldn't mean any harm, but just the, Ooh, are you gay? Like, do you, you know, things like that. It was kind of uncomfortable for me. So I think depending one, um, first of all, I agree with Zora, but depending on the relationship with the person, um, I think you should allow them to, you know, open up to you first. But if you are, 
I would say close to the person or if you are genuinely curious, like you really want to know, um, there's no harm in asking. I just think it all comes down to how you say it because you don't have to be, you know, if you're not understanding, you know, what LGBT is from the get go, I don't believe, you know, you're going to say everything politically correct. Right. So it's all in how you say it and your relationship with the person. And also back to what Zora said, think about how you would want to be approached if you know, someone asked you about um, your sexuality or things that you, you know, hold private to yourself. Thanks, Tom. Bryce? So I just want to say, I, I agree with everything that both Zora and Tony are saying, but I think the, the problem, a, a big problem is when you go to one person of color or one queer person that you know and ask them everything. God made Google for a reason. Use it. There are some simple things that you can look up and find information very quickly and very effectively that, you know, this person, they're a queer person or they're a black person, but they're not going to be the expert on all black experiences. My, my experience might be different than Tony's experience or might be different than uh, Charlene's experiences. Um, so, you can ask these questions. Those answers are only going to talk about what that specific person is aware of, unless, of course, they're educated. Thank you, Bryce. I like to say I really do like that shirt. Thank you. Yeah, I Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a button-up head, so I always got to give that to somebody. Miss <laughs> Charlotte, what's your perspective on asking uncomfortable questions? Um, I, I think my perspective is to lean in, you know what I'm saying? Like, let's have the have the conversation, say what needs to be said. Um, and I think it's kind of how you preface this conversation. Like, I might, I do not know what I don't know, first of all. Um, and I think it's stating, you know, I'm not trying to be malicious, and but I really want a space to, like, learn. And I think my thing, too, is always correct me. And that's, you know, if we're talking about the LGBT community or any other space, like, if I am miss. Um, misstating you, miss going about you the wrong way, like just put me to the side and correct me. That's that's an easy conversation because that's um how I center try to center my conversations in in respect anyway. Cause I mean I think everybody has you know said most things, but um you know I I, I agree, man. Ask Jeeves, you know, don't don't you know run up to the first person that you see and decide to you know dunk on them. And also, you got to check where, where your your questions coming from. Are you are you trying to prove something to yourself? Are you trying to understand? Something? You know, I mean, it, it's it's super important to really you know, if you're gonna want space for grace, you have to give it also. So you have to really come through with you know, hey, an openness that whatever you say, whoever you are, I'm gonna accept it. Um, you know, and I'm gonna learn from it. So I mean, these conversations they 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 need to be. It needs to be grace too. Mm -hmm. Appreciate that. I think, the big, I think that's the biggest thing. Really making sure that you are learning from those experiences. If you ask me uh, to, on Monday, well, what, what are your experiences? Why do why do you uh, you know why do you support Black Lives Matter? And then come and ask me on Friday. Hey, what was that reason why you support Black Lives Matter again? Well, come on now. Were you listening? Why am I putting? the time and energy in this if you're not actually willing to put the work in because it's a lot of work to have these conversations um you know not only just for you as the uh learner 
but also for the, the person who's going through it as well. It's a lot of work. Actually, thank you, Bryce, because that kind of helps lead into the next somewhat question statement about allowing, you know, allowing space for grace. So for people who get it wrong and for people who get it correct, is there a different dialogue for each or is there a suggestion for, is there, is there one universal suggestion for, for both? Especially for people who get it wrong, because I think a lot of times what happens is people are scared to get wrong. They see something that they're, they don't know. They're visually, their brain is trying to comprehend it, and they're scared to say it. You understand? Or they approach it like the way we all grew up going to the zoo. And it's like, oh, what's that? And that's not the right way. So any suggestions or conversations on how that can be a better bridge? And I'll start with, you know what, Kaz, let's take it to you, since you're taking up the drink. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we, we, we all get things wrong. Um, you know, at times, but I think it's the it's the way you approach it. Like if you come with you know a, a humbleness and a respect, I think that's the bare minimum. If you come with that, and you know you have that you know rapport, like you know you don't run up on strangers and be like, yo, are you a black? And I'm, I mean, I might want to fight, you know. So I'm not gonna walk up on somebody and say, you know, what's your sexuality? You know, what's your gender? You know, maybe I can approach you as a person. You know, what's your name? You know, like, you know, let, let me know a little bit about you before I try to, you know, get you to, to inform me because you're not owed anything. Um, you know, but when you're when you're when you're wrong and you're corrected, respect the correction and respect the fact that a person might not want to, to inform you later on. Um, you know, that's 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 respect. Man. Mm -hmm. OK. All right. Zora. After you have this conversation with yourself, um, I think it all depends on how you got it wrong because either you're a brick or you're a sponge. <laughs> so either what I'm giving you, um, you're trying to receive, even though your execution was messed up, or you're a brick and I'm just spilling all this stuff, this useful information all over the place. Mm -hmm. This depends on the ask. Because there's there's a grace in how you ask. There's there is a a space for for a lack of reprieval in the ask. Because like Kai said, if someone walks to me on the street and says, Are you a black or are you a trans? There's a such thing as ignorance blatant ignorance, willful ignorance, and just plain ignorance. And then you mm -hmm. can frame it like, okay, so you're coming to me as a sponge. You really want to know. Mm -hmm. You really want to take something from this. So, yes, the dialogue is different, depending on how they ask it. Yeah, I think it's something important to mention that Twitter has been bringing up a lot lately and the importance of reading the room. Like, mm -hmm. If you are out shopping, and let's just hope this COVID situation gets over really soon, and you are out, you don't just walk up to any stranger and it's like, hey, what are you? That's probably, that's, that's, mm -hmm. that's not the best way. But if you're in an environment, happy hour, circle, kind of like pay attention to what's going on, the conversation mm -hmm. may be leading that way, but it's, you don't have to be the one to like come in, and then you can always result to a straight up Google search, and that's how I'm looking at it. Like, reading the room has probably saved my life 
on all of them. So definitely it's something that I would suggest. Tony, what's something that you would suggest? Um, well, I first agreed, like I said, with Zora before, it all comes down to your intent. But also, um, the way we frame the conversation also helps too, because if we focus too much on being right or wrong, you kind of miss the point of everything. So um, you kind of miss uh, growing in a sense, because having these kinds of conversations, at some point, people are going to be uncomfortable either way. Um, you can't skip over it. You can't, um, you know, put words in the situation to make it sound better um, in, in most cases. And um, it all comes down to, like I said, intent and what you choose to do with the with your words. Um, just, you know, be informed and know that words do hurt and they do matter. But like I said, um, if you're trying to focus on being right or wrong, you kind of, like I said, skip over the growth in which you don't know. You know what I'm saying? You kind of have to go have these conversations. And it's just like with race, any kind of conversation, you know, gender, sexuality, there's going to be a hint of uncomfortableness. Um, but in the end, it, it's, it's for a, a reason. If you genuinely want to know, you know, and you've been informed, then you've grown. All right, the one who has the best background out of all this, Bryce. No. no. Oh, my Lord. Well, I think the only thing that I, I, I agree with everything that everyone is saying, but I think the biggest thing to remember is that every single person's experience is going to be different. There are going to be some people who are, um, you know, black people, and they just, they prefer the term black people. Or there's going to be some other people who prefer African-American person or African-American uh, there are going to be some people who are LGBTQ, and they're going to prefer MSM or queer. Like for me personally, if you walk up to me and you're like, "Oh, look at the, this! This guy's gay." Mm, wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's a lot. It's a lot deeper than that because there, uh, with labels comes a whole bunch of stereotypes and you know a, a bunch of stigma that surrounds that as well. So if once again, if you really want to have these conversations and you accidentally misgender somebody or you accidentally, um, you know, mis misrace somebody, I, I, you know, <laughs> um, really, it's just the conversation of, hey, that was my bad. I really apologize for doing that. Um, and I hope to do better next time. And making sure that you're going back and doing the work once again. It, it takes work, especially if you come from a more heteronormative world. When we, when someone was talking about, um, you know, reading the room, uh, Jay Hall, I think it was, I think it was Jay Hall. Really, it, that should be reading the room in any situation, not just um, whenever there's a queer or a black person in the room. You need to be having these conversations with your heterosexual friends, with your Caucasian friends, at all times. Hey, this is a little heteronormative, or don't you think that's a little wrong that this X, Y, and Z happened, and I would have never have been put in that situation before because of my skin color. Have these conversations whenever you're away from people of color and do the research. Do the research beforehand as well. But take those conversations and the work that you're, that you're given from POC and queer people and have those conversations with your people because that's the only way to make change through the conversations and bring those back and make sure that you're putting in the work. Charlene, how you feeling? Yes, yes, I'm good. Uh, so just real quick on this, I, I got the question too, like why we were doing this subject. And one is like, these are the conversations I've been having in private. Like why are we advocating for black trans life? Uh, why are we advocating for, for the black LGBT 
community to feel um, whole and safe in our spaces. And I feel like this is a conversation that needs to be happening uh, with the black heterosexual community. And as a black, mostly heterosexual woman, you know, it's not for like Yana, um, I feel like, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> um, I feel like these are conversations that I, I have experienced myself from men who approach me the wrong way. A, feeling too familiar, off junk, asking about my sexual history and preferences, off junk. And like, you don't know me like that. And so I, I, I lean with Zora, like, the energy you come to me going to be, you know, it's going to depend how my energy is going to be back to you. Sometimes it'll be, oh, okay, let's have a conversation. Then sometimes I'm like, who are you when I get up out of my face? And so I, I think it's really, um, I'm like, to, to like, to nail that, that it's not just, you know, how we approach uh, people who are different from us, but how do we approach each other in our own community, too, uh, in our own spaces as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Real quick, Kyle. I mean, shout out to Bryce, man. I, I I had no idea what MXN meant. I'm over here on my phone, like, let me let me see what MXN. I was too, and I'm, <laughs> I'm learning like this type of conversation that you know I I'm, I might be aware of some things, but there's a, I still have blind spots. So you said MXN, and I'm like having that that openness to go, okay, what does that mean? And now you know I have homework tonight, you know, of 40, 50 years of of a, of a movement that I that I didn't know of. So you know, thank you. Shout out to Bryce. Just to be clear, I said MSM, men who have sex with men. Okay, so MSM, but I also got MXN. What is that? That's a, you know, a something that I don't know yet. Huh? <laughs> it's a, a, a gender neutral language. You know? Oh, wow. And, well, hey, man, you know, we're all learning. So MSM, I got that. And now I got MXN, you know, intersex, non-binary, transgender. Okay, man, there's a world that I, you know, I got to explore just so I, you know, I can connect with my people. I think that that's not the importance for me learning as a cis heteronormative man is that, you know, my cousins, you know, my friends are just strangers. Like, wait a minute, let me have a, a, a base understanding of, you know, your life. So, you know, so, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like to say thank you with that, but I think that brings up something that's extremely important is that once you do learn, it doesn't mean that what you learn is absolute because everybody is speaking for their journey, but they're not, you know, we're not monolithic. Like everybody's not speaking for everybody. And that door has to always constantly be open. And I think sometimes, and listen, I was a victim of this even when it came to listening to black women, like thinking I learned up to a certain point and I'm done. And I got checked on that several times over and over and over and over again. So I think you brought up something. And thank you, Bryce, because you're right, um, Kyle, because I was on the side Googling. I was hoping none of y'all was going to see me because I didn't know what the term meant either. You understand? And I'm glad that that got brought um, out there. For our next one, it's something that, you know, we all kind of have on our screen. As you can see, we have our pronouns that we that we go by. And as you can see, everyone who is watching this live, and shout out to everyone, and shout out to Glow, you can see our pronouns. And I think we should have a conversation because, you know, just being transparent, I was someone who did not think about the word pronoun since I left elementary school. So now I see it is in my dialogue like all the time. So the importance of pronoun and why is it serves as a, as a great banner, as an introduction or who you are, why are pronouns important? And let me start with the guy who has the best background ever, Bryce. <laughs> Can you please? Well, definitely. 
pronouns are important for a number of reasons. So uh, pronouns, they make, they normalize pro, uh, the, the use of pronouns. So whenever you see something, th this really came out of the trans community and the non-binary community because oftentimes they are misgendered. And in order to, uh, uh, to stop that as best as possible, those the members of those communities, myself included, utilize pronouns and email signatures, as well as whenever you're writing messages um, or whenever you're introducing yourself, your name and then your pronouns. And it, it, once again, it, it normalizes and it dispels the stigma around utilizing pronouns. Uh, everyone should be using pronouns, specifically if you're in a work, an office setting. Um, it's very easy to just add your pronouns to uh, your email signature. And seeing that, that you put pronouns in your email signature, it speaks words. It speaks volumes to the queer community. It's the same thing as seeing a rainbow flag on your business. We know we can trust you. And you, you kind of understand. You may not, you may, you're an ally. We know that you're an ally, basically. So just, for, so just real quick, even for someone like myself who identify he, him, it's, you're saying that to make the announcement, like, you know, in the work setting or in my network, to kind of also put that in there also, too, because it gives a signal out to whomever may be reading that email that I'm least consciously aware and give respect to that? Definitely, definitely. Most okay. definitely. And as well as that, it starts a conversation. People are like, well, why do you put your pronouns in your in your uh, email? Well, why don't, why don't you put your pronouns in your email? I really don't know your pronouns, and this helps me to make, it lessens awkward conversations. I don't have to come and be like, uh, hey, Johnson, uh, Mr., Miss, Mix, you know, <laughs> it, it lessens the, the awkwardness. Zora, what you say? Because I saw you giving the praises in the background, so I, I'll be kind of like pass you over on that. Absolutely, Bryce. I mean, absolutely. When I taught the class this morning, I said that the first thing that I notice when I'm when I'm either um, looking at a business or at a speaker. When you put your pronouns there, for me, that's the gate. Because if you can't respect what I put there, you're coming into my space as a Brit. Yeah. Not as a sponge. Mm -hmm. For me, that is the most welcoming thing. When I see that he, her, he, him, they, them, like mine, she, her, supreme. I mean, it just is what it is. <laughs> It literally sets the tone for how we're going to interact. Mm -hmm. Pronouns are extremely important. And just to educate, I learned this myself. I never assume anyone's pronouns. Mm -hmm. I always ask permission. And it used to be, it used to be put out there, ask them what their preferred pronouns are. First of all, I'm not preferring shit. This is just what it is. So I'm asking you, what are your pronouns? Who are you? If you tell me I'm an octopus, elephant, turtle, well, Franklin, well, Dumbo, <laughs> hey, because I'm 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 trying to I'm trying to get past the gate, I'm trying to get past the fence. I'm trying to be a sponge in here. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Zora. I'd like to take this time also to remind everyone that's watching this online that we will be taking questions at the end. Okay, so we do see you. 
much respect. We will be taking questions at the end. So whatever question you have, please make sure you are writing it down like the way me and Cosby are on the side, because I definitely have questions of my own. And make sure that you are taking you know, into consideration the time. And so when we're done, we promise to try to address all of you as much as possible. But we will be answering questions at the end. Just want to point that out. All right, Tony, what do you think about the pronouns? Um, for me, I didn't really understand pronouns until I got to college. Um, I'm a cisgender uh, person. So um, learning about pronouns, um, even if I didn't understand the person's um, identity, um, their sexual orientation, or uh, what they uh, uh, want to be called, I, I realized early that it wasn't my responsibility to project my own ignorance onto them. And to go back to what Bryce said, it's um, pronouns, they normalize someone's identity. So even if, you know, let's say I don't understand why a trans girl um, is trans, it's not my uh, responsibility to misgender her or to say, you know, you are such and such and I don't, you know, um, that's not my, you know, like I said, my, my role. Um, and when it comes down to truly understanding it, I just take pronouns as they come. Um, people will tell me their pronouns. And I, in a way, I feel like I would want someone to affirm my identity. So I would do the same for anyone. It's about mutual respect and, you know, loving people. You don't even have to necessarily love them. It's just respect. You know, mm -hmm. it's about I see you, you know. Charlene, you say? Yeah, this is convicting because um, I don't I don't use them as much. I mean, that's their ass, you know. Um, and I think it's more so like I approached it as I want to be seen as a person, not necessarily put in a box. You know what I'm saying? Um, but not necessarily thinking about how it signals to other people, especially the black queer community, um, in the queer community at large, and, and how it can. Um, translate as a, as a safe space. So I'll update mine tonight. Sorry. Kyle. <laughs> um, I learned a lot from Twitter, man. I learned a lot from just sitting and watching people, you know, of different, you know, backgrounds, you know, just discuss it. And then um, I realized like a lot of times people misgender people out of power. Like they feel like they can dictate, you know, who someone is and, and, and you know, according to their small worldview. And, and this affected me, you know, my family. I had a family who were, you know, trans. And um, just seeing the way they look when someone misgendered them and, and then, you know, if I came and, I, you know, I, I gave them the, the, the respect to give them the name that, that is theirs and the gender that is theirs. And just seeing that love that they were like, wow, man, like, you know, thank you. And I'm like, I shouldn't get a thank you. You know, that, that's because I don't have to tell people more than once what my name is. Um, or, and people can, you know, just accept who I am without me saying anything. So to have someone who has to tell you who they are and then you are disrespectful enough to not, you know, respect that, that's low, man. It's, 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 the respect is really the minimum, man. Like, you know, pronouns and, and, and their name is their name. So, you know, respect that. Cosby, talking about respect, I am in a bit of a conundrum currently uh, because prior to me uh, working in the field that I currently work in, I used to do a lot of social services, uh, but right now I'm working in the medical field. And being a trans or non-binary person within the medical field is not the best uh, 
experience. There is a lot of outdated technology that does not allow um, the tracking of gender or the tracking of um, pronouns. And um, thankfully, the, the program that my organization is using right now has all of that. It's phenomenal. But the one little tricky thing is that it pulls from a person's sex and utilizes the pronouns from that person's sex and not their gender. Mm-hmm. Problematic. Brought it up. Nothing ever came of it. So that person uh, who was within my organization, who is a trans person, their sex it matches their gender. We just had to do that because it is so. Uh, it it it, just, it would lead to them getting misgendered. Mm-hmm. And I thought like tooth and I thought tooth and nail. I was like, uh, 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 have you have you figured anything out yet? No, it's Tuesday. I asked you Monday. What's up? <laughs> so uh, you know. I, I, it's difficult because you want to be able to be an advocate. And I think that there are a lot of really great advocates out there in the community who are making the changes, but it, it's just, it takes, it's taking so, so long. And with the new EHR system, the new electronic health record system that we're going to, I recently found out that we don't even collect the pronoun information uh, within our, our, the larger organization who we're getting the electronic health network from. And I'm like, so how do you guys know this person's gender? And they're like, well, we collect all this information with regards to their employment, with regards to, um, like, employment. I'm like, I was like, wait, you collect employment information, but you don't collect gender identity information on your the, uh, on the intake information? On the intake form? What? So, and they're like, yes, because we want to make sure we know our clients and that our clients can come to us and we can have a conversation. But if you're misgendering this person every single time that they come in here because you pull from their sex, how do you think that makes that person feel? Well, we'll have those conversations. You'll be able to do that later. No, I'm ready to have the conversation right now. I want to see progress right now. And it's just frustrating because oftentimes it feels like here in person, we all can be, we can be very progressive, but when we're dealing with archaic systems like the medical, like medical practices, you're just grind like it's like a the daily grind every single day. Now you spoke, um, that's speaking from you know you speaking about the mistakes that a lot of businesses and practices and, and organizations make. Um, Char, you are a founder starting with today. How does that resonate with you? Yeah, and you know my background is actually in in training, development, employee engagement, so HR and all that. And I'm thinking about these systems that don't even account for that there's no practice even when we're talking about diversity and inclusion a you know that's almost a joke at this point but like when we get there um it's still we still have not advocated for for uh trans trans community and the lgbt community at all um to the state where we should so that's a quick fix and um i think you're right right we, we got to begin to push the envelope because it's really just adding one more column uh to uh an excel sheet true about the you know, people misgendering, misnaming, and you spoke about how corporations make these mistakes. And you're right, because they make these mistakes all the time and they never rarely get challenged by it. A way of everyday people who make that mistake with misnaming and misgendering, how, what is a step that they can take of not just coming across as someone, I, I gotta mention that someone wrote across, as just plain old rude. Um, <laughs> And let me pass it to Zora first, 
because I just feel like Zora would really give that energy to let you know. <laughs> I think it depends on the situation because when I first started my transition, I was in the military. So I started um, three, three years ago and I just started hormone and I had this sergeant and everyone knew that I was doing it. Everyone had changed like, oh, that Zora, oh, we call her her anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But this one in particular would not, just wouldn't take it. And I took it for a few months. I took it for a few months. You keep talking. I'm going to catch you. I'm going to catch you when you're going to catch me on the wrong day. Um, I'm going to be having a hot flash, a mood swing, and I'm going to tear your ass up. And I did. And I did. In front of everybody. When you come to me on purpose with the bullshit, mm. I'm going to I'm going to meet you with what you give me. Because your grace came when everyone else decided to, to change and follow suit. There was your grace period. When I told you the first time, when I told you the second time, yeah. how I told you the third time. So it depends on how you meet me. Yeah. If you meet me with the bullshit, I'm going to meet you back with the bullshit. Because for some reason, queer people are supposed to, to um, just take some stuff. We're supposed to accept it because we're quote unquote different. This isn't, this isn't quote unquote normal. Let me tell you something. Mm -mm. I, I told you at the gate. When you decided to, to 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 try to come in as a brick, you were mm. met with a brick. Yeah. Now, now that I've been working in the civilian sector, I haven't really had this problem. And maybe because I'm in Arizona, and Arizona, I think, is number three for LGBT rights. Extremely progressive here, despite being a red state. Extremely progressive here. I've never had that problem. So when I would do, I would do a trick. Whenever I would do my my resume or my applications for employment, I never put my gender and I never put my race. So for some, I would put my race, but I would never put my gender. My name is Zora. This is what I'm giving you. And in Arizona, they actually have a pronoun block. What are your pronouns? She, her. That's all I'm giving you. So I'm going, I went to work. I started this job and I went to work. Immediately, my name is Zora. Here's where she puts her stuff. Here's the female locker room. Here's where the bathrooms are. Here's where they are. That was it. My boss joked me one time, I was feeling sick. Maybe you're pregnant. That was a whole key. <laughs> oh, thank you. You met me as a sponge. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna meet you back. All right, here it is. I presented this to you at the gate. Mm -hmm. Knock accordingly. Mm -hmm. I think what's most important about that whole about just that whole general statement is we need more people in different um and within different um careers being sponges. 
because the people who are up top uh, within our prison system are not thinking about trans or non-binary individuals. If your sex is male, you're going to the male. Uh, you're going to the male uh, prison or jail or whatever have you uh, uh, institution. If you're female, you're going to the female institution. Period. Point blank. No questions. No names. Now they do have some. What is it called? They call them lifestyle. So, uh, 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 the divisions, wings, or whatever have you. I'm not 100. Um, percent uh, I don't have the vernacular. I apologize, but it's 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 still just same thing with the medical medical system as well. We need more people who are our allies and who are aware of these issues across the board. But damn that, we more than just allies. We need to be a man. Well, because we are literally, no matter no matter what cisgender, transgender, black, white, if you are going into a space mm. that does not have us in it, you are literally the probably the book that yeah. they're going to read. You are the only picture they're going to see. You are probably the only experience they are ever going to encounter. So damn you being an ally, we need to get mm-hmm. in there. Period. True. Truly, we actually need people on the inside for any kind of progress to be made. Now, that that goes without saying. As much as we do need people on the outside, point out the rights and the wrongs and protesting, there is a value to being on the inside to actually helping with that change and bringing that awareness on the inside and making it actually a progress. So that is actually true. Thank you very much. I got to move on because there's so much that we got to cover. And let me just take time to thank everybody because it's already been a dope panel so far. So I don't want to miss out on the information that we have. Let's get into some blackness right now, because what Bryce brought up was actually very important. And also, this is a conversation that gets talked about, like Charlotte mentioned, in private circles, but not publicly enough. And when it comes to us and our black in the black community, I know for myself, just speaking only for myself, not for a lot of people. But one of the things about pronouns that now is like, you know, you got to add pronouns and you got to make that awareness. and That's fine. One of the things that come up in conversations a lot is there's always a lot to being black in general, just our everyday walk. When I step outside, I got to wonder if I'm going to come back because of my hoodie or what I'm wearing. You know, jog at night, you got to wear bright colors. Make sure if I see a white woman jogging in front of me, I got to run all the way across the street to go around her so she won't think it. And now you're telling me, you know, as an average whatever in my mind, that I got to add more to it. So... What actually, to certain people that are maybe confused or unaware, what would you suggest or what is said that comes first? Is it your blackness that comes first? Is it your pronouns that come first? We know what comes first. And let me slide this question first to Tony. What do you think about that? You're muted. We need Tony off mute. Am I unmuted now? There you go. Okay. Um, It all should come down by um, case by case. Not everybody is going to see... Um, everything the exact same way. Um, I know between me, Bryce, and Zorro, you could have three different answers as to what comes first. Um, but like I said, it all comes down to you know what that person's individual experiences are and how they see the world. Um, and we shouldn't um, take away from that because I think, like you said before, being a black person, it, it's so you know we we know the history, we know uh, the movements and the protests that are going on right now. Um, and then you add on top of that being, you know, uh, a different gender, a different sexual orientation. It gets so messy and murky 
and it, it's hard to navigate. So if you think it's hard to navigate for you just by thinking about it, imagine how hard it is to be in that person's skin, you know, walking around, you know? So I think we also, in, in wanting grace, we need to extend that same grace to our other black peers who don't, who are not cisgendered, who are not um, heterosexual, you know? We have to take into account that their experiences alone for being black don't make up the sum total of their experiences. You know, they're coming from different perspectives and their blackness in, you know, within the LGBT community, it's also, you know, we know the LGBT community is segregated. We've also, you know, not only are, are we a minority, you know, in this space, we're also a minority in this other space too. So, like I said, it all comes down to a case-by-case -case, um, thing. You know, whatever your experiences are that show to you, you know, what's more important at the time, um, that's where I think your identity is going to follow. And we should all make space for that. Would you say, Kaz, your gender identity first or your blackness first? I'm black. Um, but what I've known is that when people say you're black first, they're mainly talking about black men, black straight men. Um, they're never saying, hey, um, my blackness includes yours and yours and yours and yours. You want people to fight for you, but do you have the same energy? So when I say, you know, I'm black, it takes a village. So I'm saying, yo, you in the village. We, we riding for the village. You know, I'm also a black man. You know, okay, all right. But my blackness is my ancestors and your ancestors and, and, and us current day. That's my blackness and that's your blackness. So when I say I'm black first, that is, that's inclusive. A lot of times we say I'm black first because you want to kind of push everybody's sexual identity or their trauma or their issues to the side just for this one issue that you are concerned about. But if you say, you know, I'm black and black first, you got to ride for all black issues. You know, sexuality, gender, environmental, capitalism, you know, I mean, everything has to be a united front or your front. Zora? Black, because the first thing, no matter how you spin it, no matter what your orientation is, no matter what your gender is, your expression, the first thing someone says that when, when they see you walking down the street is, Oh, a black person. Oh, a white person. Or this white woman, this black man, this 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 brown man, this brown. That's the first thing you see. The first thing. If I'm killed, if I'm an unarmed person killed by a police officer, that bullet's hitting black skin first. It's not hitting my transgender expression. It's not, it's not piercing my queerness. It's piercing black skin. So the first thing is I'm black because that's the first thing you see. And when I say that, I mean it as this is where the beginning of a traumatic experience started. I'm black first. Yeah, I think you brought up something real important that actually kind of helped make the transition of what we were getting to with Kaj. You kind of brought that up too. When we think about blackness, most of the time, blackness, you know, black masculine or men come up are the ones that come up. Um, and I've, I've allowed grace for myself because I recognize that when I'm in certain circles, whether it's a trans circle, um, a gay circle, 
I recognize that they their experience with black men before me may or may not have been so positive. So a lot of times I might have get to Azura's pointed out, I might get a brick approach. Like someone might approach me in a brick. And I kind of take it on the chin a little bit until they kind of get to know me because of just being with like I kind of understand where this energy is coming from. And I'm like, okay, especially because for me, blackness comes first. So if I'm seeing a black person in front of me, there's a certain amount of grace that I personally just give. What do we think when we think about black men, since we own this, and the entire spectrum? Like, what defines what's masculine now? Is it society? Do we do it with each other? What defines that? And let me go to Charlotte for that, please. Wow, that's a... Um, <laughs> I'm uh, I think, I think um, what defines masculinity right now I think we have a knowledge, at least on Twitter, um, in beginning to having that conversation more in our, in our spaces, and we definitely do this um, with the shape of which I did mention earlier, but um, where we realize a lot of masculinity, quote unquote, is toxic, right? It's harmful. It kills. It kills black women. It kills black trans women. Um, it kills other black men who we perceive as threats. Um, so. Maybe we should begin to share that, <laughs> share what we think that is, and redefine that um, what what masculinity is, and allow space for it to be loving, um, to be nurturing, um, to be a sponge. And I don't think there's much room right now for black men to cry, to feel, to not know, to ask questions, to um, to get it wrong. And then try to, to correct that. So, I, 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 I don't know. I'll pass it on to someone else. Those are my thoughts. <laughs> I, think, I think you still answered that in the best way. And I think what was so honest about the answer of, of you recognizing where it stops. And I think some of the, one of the smartest things you can say is, I don't know. I will tell you I don't know all day long. I annoy my friends sometimes. They're like, oh, I'll stop. I don't know. You know, but it, it's opened up the window for me. Tony, when you hear anything about being black, masculine or that word combined what do you hear from that do you think that that is shaped through society that lens or that is a that is something that we've shaped amongst our own community on what the idea of being black masculine is um i think it i think it part of it comes from the the second part of your question like for me growing up black masculinity to me was my dad and his friends and my uncles um i wasn't really looking to emulate anyone else but them um so black masculinity to me was just them at the time, and it, it, it still is. I mean, probably from, you know, sometimes the way I talk, the way I dress, um, how I interact with other people sometimes, it all started with them. Um, and where they got it from, I would have just assumed, you know, their fathers and then their fathers. But there's also a historical component to it because um, our masculinity, I would say, is really been on the, the hinges. I mean, black men wouldn't be, weren't perceived as, you know, I, I wouldn't say not perceived as masculine, but we've kind of, in a way, had our masculinity stripped from us, um, even back during times of slavery, Jim Crow, even now, you know, just walking down the street as an unarmed person, you know, you're not seen as a person, you know, you could be shot dead just because, you know. So I, I really don't know where masculinity comes from um all i know is that it's been this pervasive thing um around me that i have always tried to attain even being a little boy 
you know, um, like I said before, just trying to emulate my dad and his friends and my uncles, you know, things like that. I don't know where it really comes from. But I do know, I do agree with Charlene that it is what I saw. And now, you know, as an adult, looking back, a lot of it was really toxic. Yeah, please allow me to say that if you have any questions, those of us, those of you that are watching us on the live, please, this is the time to load them because we're going to bring it to a conclusion. I would like to make the transition. So if you have any questions, please just go ahead and type that up real quick. Um, before I hit with this last one, I think being black masculine, you kind of brought up the idea of like a lot of it was toxic. And if you're a black person in America, your experience generation has been toxic overall, the United States. Chris Rock has that famous quote, like, if you're a black American, you know, it's kind of like getting put through college, but you were molested by your uncle who paid for the college tuition. And that's kind of the confusion or the, the double feelings you feel about living in America and how we feel. So the idea of what masculine was, like you said, um, Tony, I identified with that. It was the people on my blog. It was the men on my blog. It was the, it was the teachers, um, the gym teacher, because the only man that was a teacher was the gym teacher and the women were the ones that were teaching education. So that spoke volumes within itself. And if there was a man who was a substitute teacher, he was looked down upon, looked upon as quote unquote gay, just automatically. It was kind of like looking at a male nurse. You know, we just already, especially if you were 80, 90s, babe, you identify being a nurse as, as woman. And so what is this? And I want to pose this. What is this, this fetish when it comes to black people that the United States actually just has, whether it is us in the trans community of borrowing our ideas because to Kyle's point, when I was doing a lot of homework, kind of found out that even certain things in the black trans community, there are a lot of the ideas and, and rebellion was stolen and put into whiteness because there's a separate community of whiteness of white trans versus black trans. So what is this fetish that the United States has when it comes to black people? And I want to pass that to Bryce. What do you think about that? I mean, for uh, for centuries, they have you know attempted to strip us of our um, of our music, of our culture. They've tried to take things that we do and mm, <laughs> muss it up a little bit. But um, I think that it's just a, a a want or a desire. I think it might come from. I think it might come from. Uh, really, as as Tony stated, uh, back in slave times of slavery, you couldn't get that person or you weren't supposed to it's the forbidden fruit and so uh, i would love to try some of this food that uh this black person has made or i would love to try and and i i think it kind of then morphed into maybe um let's try and embrace this culture let's try and um speak more to these people because uh well we, we want to what they're doing is cool and new and uh, exciting but then of course people come in and they have power and they want they are greedy they want money uh and a lot of black people are screwed over uh for lack of better words and so i, I think it, it all comes from uh maybe a, uh, the idea of forbiddenness and uh then with greed and now we're in a in a place where uh bad bad baby is uh you know a multi-millionaire and there are black uh female rappers who are still getting paid dust. So, <laughs> I don't even, I'm not 100% sure, unfortunately. That's real. What'd you say, Cos? 
I, I believe that intellectual property is one of our greatest gifts, and it's something that we we can make nothing, you know, something out of nothing. Um, you know, whether it's jazz music, whether it's new TikTok dance, um, and it's because of you know the adversity that we faced. We were forced to, you know, take that that deep dive. Um, you know, we we are descended from griots, man. We're storytellers, and you know, when you have people who, who may not have the imagination, but they have the the ability to to steal, rob, and pillage, they will do that over and over again. So this is this is history. Um, you know, it's it's if they can't steal our bodies, they'll steal our yeah. ideas. So, Zora, what you think about this admiration for blackness? How do I put this correctly? Bryce touched on this. I think that because the origins of our getting here um, to to imbibe in the the black wonder, the black beauty, the black thickness, the black roundness, the black firmness, the black thought, the black idea is heavily taboo. So it becomes it becomes a fetish because it, it, it seems like it's something that we shouldn't have. Always emulated, duplicated, replicated, um, but never shown affection. So I can I can make the black thought, the black artistry the black movement a fetish and and have this taboo relationship with it, but I'll never acknowledge it. And I think that when you when you frame it that way, when you turn it into to just a lust for the face value of blackness, you can ignore the depth of the problem. You could ignore mm-hmm. the meat of the problem. I can toss the bone. It, it it makes black culture consumable. But like but that being said, you you can never have enough. We're always producing. Thank you, Zora. And I'd like to bring that to a close. Thank you very much, Cosby. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Charlotte. Thank you, Bryce. You and your beautiful background back there. <laughs> <laughs> And now I like to pass it. <laughs> I like to pass it to you know our first first host, you know the openness of JB. All right, so J Hall, thank you. You ran this seamlessly. Thank you for taking the mic and taking, um, in in stepping up to be able to moderate this today. Zora, my sister, as always, thank you so much because yeah, like. Take yourselves off the of mute. Talk back to me. Y'all were talking to each other. Now talk back to me. <laughs> Thank you so much. I was over here like, do I bring myself into this? This is not about me right now. I passed the mic, so I got to stop talking. But like, even in our private chat, like everybody was like, oh, pick me next. Let's go. Because these are, the, these are the things, and I've had people texting me, and I was asking them how they liked it. Um, Some people were telling me how, like, intro this intro this is but how much this was needed mm-hmm. these are things that we should know already but sometimes we don't so thank you so much cosby thank you so much i told you i knew you had a lot to say. <laughs> 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 
Like, come on, Mr. Esquire. Um, Tony, thank you. Um, this is Tony's first time um, officially doing something with Glow in his new position. Please. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. The team. Shalane. Listen. Shalane. Shalane. Starting with today is not just now a slogan with for me. It is something that like totally means something. Um, what you're doing for this community, what you're doing for people right now is extremely needed. Um, I literally was just talking to Carter about how we can um be able to start being taught and how I can learn how to be able to have more dialogue um, in which you guys were having today and the fact that you were doing exactly what was already on my mind. Um, it really excites me. Um, Jocelyn said, you all are amazing. Thank you so much for sharing yourselves with Glow and this was important and beautiful. Um, but she, let them know about part two though, JB, because next week we're going deep. We're going real deep. They need to buckle up. Oh, see, so that's what I was telling my friend. I was saying, listen, next, next, next week. So if you weren't here with us today, um, this is not the only session that we're doing. We're starting with today. Next week, the 15th, we'll be right back here at six o'clock doing a whole another session. Um, so make sure that you are checking us out here again. Thank you so much to my panel that, um, that, that came out spot. Thank you for doing what you're doing. Now, I'm gonna give everybody 10 seconds um, to go over this really quick. Jay Hall, what is there um, a piece of homework that you need um, people to take away from this week for next week? Well, a piece would be disrespectful. I'm about to go into deep dive into everything. Um, MXN, MXN, that's something I'm about to dive into real quick. You know me personally. I am definitely a Google geek. So, yeah, I'm about to dive into that. MXN, I, I thought that was his position at his job. So, I got educated today. So, that's what I'm diving into. All right. Now, we got Cosby. Come on, tell me what you, any homework for the people. Um, And read books, man. We got time. I mean, some books that, you know, changed my life. Um, we Real Cool by Bell Hooks. Makes me want to holler by Nathan McCall. Um, what else, man? Uh, Alice Walker, read The Color Purple. Man. Like, just, just you know, get it together, man. It, 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 we're behind. Yeah, we're like, that's the, that's the, the, the basic is. We're, we're behind, so catch up. All right. Um, I would say, you know, real quick homework is to definitely change your pronouns. That was That's an easy ask um, and to do, to, to become um, more of a safe haven. And then I'll, I'll take doors, you know, be a sponge because I think we're going to rattle some belief systems that we've held on for, for too long uh, next week. And so be ready to um, have some new information and take that in. Laura. Whenever you're going into an environment, like Jay Hall said, please read the room. Mm -hmm. Read the room. And please, 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 go into these spaces where you would like to learn something and take an experience. Go in there as a sponge. Because if you go in there as a brick, we will match you. <laughs> Bryce. 
all I have to say is make sure to use Google first. Google is your best friend. That is why God made it. And as well as that, when you're using things typed like that, make sure you're going to edu or .org. Um, please don't go to .com because most of the time that information is not going to be right. It's going to be outdated. So just keep yourself educated so that you can have the proper conversations with folks and understand that each and every single person's experience and identity is going to be different. There's not one generalization out there. Continue to learn. Continue to love. Tony. Thank well, you. My line for the people is embrace the uncomfortable, embrace the unknown. Um, you're not growing unless you learn something. Um, and get ready for part two. <laughs> Ladies, gentlemen, and everyone in between, my name is Jay Branch. This has been my brainchild, Pass the Mic. I cannot wait to see you next week. Same place, same time with the same people, dog. This is Jay Branch, over and out. <laughs>